Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens, in the history of the church, things get messy. And after the last couple of synods, nobody's going to disagree that things are really getting messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. It's also important for you to know that you are our marketing plan. We rely on you to spread the word about what we're doing at the Messy Reformation. We rely on you to share our content. We also rely on you to give us five-star reviews and provide good feedback for our podcast so that the algorithms push our content out into the world. You are our marketing plan. You can also support us financially on Patreon. All the money from Patreon is being used to fund online hosting and to build the platform of the Messy Reformation. You may even see a Messy Reformation conference coming in 2024. So keep your eyes peeled for an announcement. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Patrick Anthony. Oh, man. You know, the funny thing is, is we were in a room with no windows. And it was just, it was just this bizarre sort of um, twist of fate that that we would be a committee that met so much and so intensely. And and it's sort of, there was this sense of like, man, we are in it together. Like it, like it added to this whole, you know, we are going to shoulder to shoulder, dig into this and, and figure it out. We were like in a bunker. That's what it felt like, you know? And, uh, and, I, and I, my sense was, uh, from the very beginning, you, you, you had asked a question about like, hey, say, say something. By the way, you did a great job of sharing it. Like, uh, I kind of knew where you stood on the subject matter just because of this podcast. Um, but I, I, I can honestly say that somebody who was a fly on the wall sitting in that room would never have known any of that. Um, and, uh, and you'd asked a question from the beginning. Uh, something along the lines of, you know, say something that you're excited about or something that you really care about or something, oh no, something you're afraid of or something you care about. And you can kind of see where things were, right? Because um, what people were afraid about, I, I don't remember that, but the thing that they really cared about, some people said, you know, hearing from the Holy Spirit. And then some people said, standing on the word of God and the confessions. And it's like, and I knew right from the back, okay, that's our divide. And, and it really was, right? Because that, that's kind of where it comes down to. It's, a, it's an epistemological thing, right? So do I, do I believe that God has spoken uh, and, and, I can, and I can rest in what he has said? Or do I believe that he is speaking something new and that I, that I need to hear it? And so, and so because that's the difference, um, the passion and the sincerity and the love, you, you could really see that, that people were really speaking their heart. They were, they were talking from their convictions. And, and it really allowed for, um, I think, two things. One, us to really get to the, the issues that, that were at stake, clearly, um, because people cared enough to, to sort through that. Um, and then uh, I had another point, but, oh, and we cared about each other. It's like you really got to know the person, right? So it wasn't like, uh, 
Um, and people, if they said something out of line, there was a, there was an apology or you'd see people go up to people during break and just say, Hey, just so you know. And, and it was like, no, I totally understand. And I don't know. It was just a good vibe. And even when we finally divide at the end on the two, uh, the two reports, uh, we almost kind of helped each other put, put, the, put them together. Right. It wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like we're trying to hang the other person out to dry. No, no. We want you to have the best version of what you're going to say, uh, to go to the floor with, um, but then when I felt like when it got to the floor, there was, it sort of became a sense of like, well, I don't really know that person over there. It was, it was really strange how, how that happened. I know people have said something similar before in describing it, but I'm not really sure how to wrap my mind around that because it almost felt like when, once you got to the floor, that was when the decision had to be made. And, and that's when the stakes were just so high. I, I man, it was, uh, I remember telling Dave when we got in the van to drive away, I said, I'm never coming back here again. This is, <laughs> this is too much for me. I'm not made for this, you know? And uh, that lasted about 12 hours, but, uh, yeah. but, but yeah, I liked uh, the committee so much that, that that floor experience was just so like different that, uh, yeah, it was not as enjoyable, but it was important too, right? Yeah. The floor experience. Yeah. Well, and that's what, kind of what I was going to ask you about. Uh, I, I took note of you on the floor of Synod and you spoke very clearly. You spoke very well and you you just carried yourself very well. Um, but I was wondering, you know, it, kind of with my committee too, the charitable spirit seemed to diminish once you got onto the floor. So you kind of felt the exact same way too uh, for committee. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what do you think some things were? I mean, was it just the fact that this is where the decision is going to be made and now tensions are rising because of it. Well, and it's, it's all the issues together, right? Because we don't have a unified theology as a denomination, because we don't have a unified identity because, because everybody wants to, everybody's so convinced that they're either standing on the word of God or hearing from the Holy spirit. Therefore they have um, God's opinion on the matter. Or, or they're sort of like, I'm not sure, but they're leaning one way or the other. All of that emerges on the floor. Whereas in committee, you feel like, okay, well, we're going to do our best to work this out. But then, hey, we're going to take our best arguments to the floor. And so you don't really have that finality that, that's kind of weighing over the, the, the final decisions made in committee. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, probably a, always that sense of hope, right? That, well, we can yeah. have reality here and maybe once it gets to the floor, this will get turned down or whatever. But then once you start seeing well, you even, a different direction. Yeah. Even in committee too, like our, um, our the, the majority report, which I signed on to, that's why I said R, um, you know, there were things that we changed in there with input from the um, the people who put together the minority report because we wanted to we wanted to find common ground we wanted to um, and so we were really and I don't think this gets enough publicity we were really unified on almost all of it mm-hmm. uh, even the part about disciplining Neilan that got shot down after Paul DeVries's floor speech and that doesn't get enough publicity that even everybody in our committee. Uh, agreed that, that that was the best thing to ask of, of Neilan at the time, which was to, um, you know, just basically um, re- repent. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, 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 what I wanted to say when, when Paul said that, I wanted to stand up and say, just so everybody knows, our whole committee was unified on this. And it's not that we hadn't considered the, the, uh, that, that this would be viewed as punitive. 
but it's actually not. And, and here's what, why, and here's what we came to as a committee, you know, cause I'm, I think I can say this generally speaking, there were some people who didn't uh, respond well to the word repentance at first, but mm-hmm. after we had this really great conversation about what repentance actually is and the beauty of it and the graciousness of it, um, then we all came around, you know, but in a, in a short, quick, emotional floor speech, boom, you can sway uh, a large group without really getting into uh, the, the nuances of, of the subject. Yeah. Well, and it was, well, I can say this, I'll say it, Paul can get angry, but it was well, it was really well done politically because it was after the yeah. question called and it was right at the end, so nobody could respond to it. It was just the only person who could have responded to it was me or Todd, um, because he was a he had got himself in right. Oh yeah, right at the end of the thing, and and uh, nobody could respond to that. And so, like me as a chair or Todd as a reporter, we could have responded. Um, we were kind of caught off guard because it seemed um, to kind of come out of nowhere for me a little bit from Paul. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then I was like, well, we were such a unified group on this. I don't think he's going to sway the vote. So I'm not going to say, I'll just let it be. Um, and then the, yeah. vote, and I'm, I mean, I know a lot of people have talked about it, but I'm almost hundred percent certain that, that, that he swayed the vote with that. He, he spoke effectively and passionately, yeah. but I think incorrectly yeah. about yeah, um, misrepresented what we were trying to accomplish and what we were trying to do, but it was masterfully done uh, politically. Uh, whether he yeah. did it intentionally that way, I'm not even going to get into that. But just the way it all played out was like, whoa, that was that was well done on his part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in retrospect, I'm I'm not as uh, like I felt like just deflated after that. Um, because I really thought it would have been so good for Neyland yeah. to have the opportunity um, uh, t- to see like, hey, look, we really should, you know, uh, if, if for no other reason, because the denomination as a whole has not allowed us to do this, we really should repent for, for even just that. Um, I, I, would, I think that would have been a good, a good thing for them. But in retrospect, I, I'm, I'm fine with how, how all that went. I'm, and I'm actually fine and we're probably going to get into this part too with uh just kind of how everything ended it's been a too like it at the time i left very like wow we didn't get to we it felt like we poured our hearts and souls into that committee and then to not even be able to discuss uh you know and i wasn't even at the time comfortable with the, you know, the quick vote, there was this pragmatic part of me that was like, okay, well, this is the vote I want. So let's just get it done. I, I want this vote. Um, but I knew that that topic, it's so nuanced that to, um, to just, uh, to just vote on it without being able to, to talk about it publicly would not have been good. I, I don't think, I, I think we were out of time before we were out of time. And I'm glad that we didn't vote on it to be honest. Um, because even things, there was a, there was a man who stood up and, and was saying, Hey, you know, I used to be homophobic, you know, in high school. And then, in, uh, and then I became affirming within a seminary, I, I landed back on the traditional view and, and, you know, I, I'm against this motion because I, I think people need, need time that I had. And, and I remember thinking at the time, like, no, 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 our motion 
it's not taking that time away from you. In fact, our, our motion really wants you to spend that time before you get ordained right. so that you have a conviction about it once you are ordained so that you don't have to, to, to struggle then. And then you can actually lead people, you know? And uh, anyway, all that needed to have been said, like I could have put my name in the queue and waited and I could have said that from the floor um, and uh, where we were at, it just, that just couldn't have happened. So Paul's speech plus the way things ended in retrospect is, you know, blown away as I was at the time. I'm very content. And and I really do feel like this upcoming synod is like, okay, Groffman is going to get its day in the sun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I hope that that's the only, you know, hope something, nothing crazy happens between now and then. But, uh, but I hope, I hope the main focus of 2024 is Gravamen or Gravamen. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And we come out having some clarity. Dun, dun, right. Dun, some clarity yeah. on, on where we're at as a denomination uh, on these things and, and how yeah. we need to move forward. Yeah. So you, you know, you're, you're on the live stream getting up and asking Paul DeVries saying, Hey, if we get sent back, um, can we be delegated to the same committee? So, so, I mean, does that mean you're looking at going back next year? Well, I would, I would love to go back. I, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is like, I've heard so many times people say, Oh yeah, Paul DeVries said that, you know, people in that committee can go back, you know? And I thought like, Oh yeah, that was me. I was that guy. I was, uh, yeah. I was just so perplexed and beside myself in that moment. Uh, yeah, I would love to go back. I I would have to get delegated back by my classes. Um, yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I, as the um, I was the pastoral uh, or the ministerial delegate cool. to synod, uh, and so our stated clerk has told me that I'll be the one who gets who gives the report to the October classes meeting. Uh, I'll let them know there that that I would like to go back. That uh, Senate 2019 has said that for continuity's sake, it's actually good to send uh, delegates back two years in a row, uh, and that um, especially considering that uh, my committee's work didn't get done, that I, I do think just for continuity's sake, it'd be wise for me to go back. Um, but it, I'm just going to let them know, hey, it's it's your call. If you, if you yeah. feel that you'd like to see me back there, um, I'm willing to go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not sure if I'm gonna let my name stand. That'd be three synods in a row, which would be quite a bit. But I've had a lot of yeah. people, and, and and now of course at the abide convention they were bugging my wife because I keep saying, well, my wife will have to let me go because I told her I wasn't gonna go again. So then they're all poking her. You gonna let your husband go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we'll, well see. Well, I think it would be un- it'd be unusual to go three times in a row. But if anybody could. If anybody should go three times in a row, I think given given the circumstances and the work you've done, it, it should be you, man. So I'd love to see you back there. We'll see. We'll see what the Lord has in store. I said I don't have to make that decision. We don't elect our our delegates to sit in until Feb- February. So I've got some. Yeah, got for, for us it's March. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a while to to pray about it. See, uh, see what what the scoop is and see where our family's at at that point and everything there's a difference because it is hard people not everybody realizes like yeah it's hard on us delegates too but yeah our our wives and and uh our spouses i guess are back at home taking care of the family trying to keep everything going and of course something always breaks while you're gone and things don't go smoothly and uh it's a it's a hard it's a hard row for them as well so um Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. So what was, uh, yeah, my wife, uh, go ahead. 
Oh, go ahead. I was going to say my wife took two master's classes from Dorf this summer. I was gone at Synod for a week and I was gone at the International Camporee in, uh, in Ontario for over a week. And I, and I look at her and I think like, I, I really don't know how you did that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. And she said, she said, you know, my, my parenting probably wasn't the best in certain moments you know? and you can't be gone that long again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When our kids were little and I'd have to be gone for like a seminary, you know, intensive, I would be gone. Initially it was like 10 days. So I'd be gone for a week and a half at a seminary intensive. There were times when my wife would be like, she'd call me and be like, talk to your daughter. <laughs> she'd give her phone <laughs> She's yeah. like, I can't handle her anymore. You need to have a conversation with her. I'd have to like step yeah. up and like discipline my daughter for over the phone. <laughs> Stop making your mom yeah. difficult. <laughs> Yeah. It's real life, man. Yeah, yeah. What was what were some of the like, you know, I mean, you've we've shared kind of some of the highlights, some of the the lowlights. I guess one of the questions I'd be interested in is uh what did uh what'd you learn about yourself and what'd you learn about the CRC at at this past synod? So what I what I learned about myself is that uh I enjoy uh, church polity, and I, I never thought I would. I, I saw the importance of it. Um, I, I think I think there can be uh, I think there can be a temptation to uh, rest too much on it uh, at the expense of the obvious truth from Scripture. Um, but uh, I also think that if you don't have it, well, then man, what what are you what are you um, it's like the tracks to, that our unity runs on, you know, and, uh, and you just, you just need tracks and, uh, you ought to be able to divert those tracks, build new tracks if necessary. Um, but, but you got to have tracks and, uh, and cause those tracks are taking you somewhere, you know? And so, so for me, I, an interest in church polity, uh, has been kindled in my heart. Um, and then what I learned about the CRC, I, you know, I'm not sure I learned anything other than just sort of like deepened my understanding of what I already knew, which is that we desperately need an identity that, that people can get behind. And, uh, and that, that may, um, yeah, be, 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 it's just not going to be possible to continue on with such um, worldview differences uh, together in, in denomination. And, um, yeah, and, and we have to have these conversations sooner rather than later. And what does it look like to, um, uh, you know, to, to unify, uh, under, under, uh, theology that we can all say, yes, this is, this is what I agree on. And, um, and that to me is, is the conversation moving forward. Yeah. Amen. Well, one of the things I've learned over the years is uh, you come to a deep appreciation of church polity in the midst of conflict. Always. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's how I got into it as well. Uh, we were at a church and there was a lot of conflict going on with pastor and all that kind of stuff and trying to figure out how to wade through it. Like what's the best pathway forward. And somebody's like, well, here, church order has this laid out. And you come to it and you're like, wow. That's really good. <laughs> Somebody spent yeah. a lot of time thinking this out on how to like walk through the process carefully. And, uh, and so I, I think I've told this a bunch of times, but 
in the midst of all that conflict, we had a group of, we had a, a, a large portion of people from a charismatic church. That church kind of blew up and not literal, but figuratively blew up. And then they came, they had been being taught the Heidelberg Catechism and Burkhoff systematic theology in this charismatic church. So they came to the CRC church, joined our church. And, uh, and then they found themselves in the midst of another conflict and they kept coming up to me and saying, man, this church order stuff is beautiful. This is so good. We didn't have this and we just floundered and struggled and there was no, no rails for us to to run on. And uh, there was no way to hold anybody accountable. And, and so it's, it's usually like in the midst of conflict when you go back to church order and you go, Oh, this is, this is actually really good. And we need to know it and we need to know it better. Yeah. Uh, than we really do. Um, but yeah. Well, it's a consequence of our theology. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's exactly. We we do believe that this is an accurate representation of our, like, outworking, I would say, of our theology. Yeah. Like, this is what we believe yeah. about humanity. This is what we believe about the church. Therefore, this is how we should function. This is how the church governs itself. Yeah. 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 I'd be curious to get your thoughts because I think we're all recognizing that, that right now uh, the CRC is having this identity crisis. Um, and I'd be curious, I you I know you haven't grown up in the CRC. You're kind of looking in as an outsider, but like, how do you think, or what are your thoughts on how we got here to this place where we don't really know who we are or what we stand for? Well, I, I, if I had to speculate, I would say it's two things. I think, uh, I think church splits in the past have been so distasteful to people that they strongly desire not to have church splits. So that's kind of built into it. No, we got to figure out how to, how to get along. Uh, I think at some point in time, uh, we, we, I mean, I'm going to speculate here too, but I think like bringing in, different groups like, um, you know, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get the Koreans in, we're going to get, you know, this group in, you know, we're going to, um, I, I think that the, the, the Koreans joined the CRC cause they were looking for a, a confessional church. And, and that's, that's who we are. That's who they thought we are. But then you also had, meanwhile, sort of a, a group that had been, you know, so funny, man. I, uh, so this is the 100-year anniversary of uh, Meachin's uh, Christianity and Liberalism. And so a lot of the podcasts I listen to have been, have been bringing that up. And uh, uh, D, D, or I can't his name, Hart, Daryl Hart, uh, did a, uh, on Reform Forum, did like a 12-lecture yeah. thing on, on the, you know, this whole thing with Meachin. And I and listened to it after Synod. And I was so blown away by how the parallels between the, the uh modernist controversy and the fundamentalist controversy back then and what I experienced in Synod. I would say the difference is, is back then they were dealing with, you know, whether or not, you know, the miracles, you know, what the Bible had to say aligned with science. And what we're dealing with now is whether or not what I feel inside me is more true than what is objective, right? But, but it's basically the same idea. But I think at some point in time that uh, uh, modernist theology uh, got wedded into the CRC. So you had, you had, uh, that, you know, that stream of theology, um, you know, coming in. And so you end up with just all these disparate groups. Meanwhile, nobody wants to separate. And so what, what ended up happening, instead of asking the question, what do we believe? We started asking the question, how can we all get along? 
Mm. And, and I think that, I think that's never the question, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The question is, is what do we believe? Like one of my, what I wrote in my paper for the history of the polity class was like, I would actually, I think what's actually better is people caring about theology enough to divide over it than having people not care enough about theology that they think that, that it just gets so watered down that we don't even know what we believe anymore. Now, I don't think, you know, uh, church splits ad infinitum is a great idea either. Um, but, uh, but man, one of the things that, uh, Mason says in his book is that the, the things that really matter are the things that are worth fighting over. Amen. And, and so, but we have to do that Christianly, you know, we can't do it like, uh, you know, just firing bullets across the bow and, you know, trying to, uh, you know, take other people down or, you know, manipulating polity to just get our way. It's all that is, is sin too. Right. Amen. Yeah, I recommend, I have been for the last number of years now, I've been reading Christianity and Liberalism uh, once a year, just uh, because yeah. I found it to be so, so good. Um, it's yeah. Just, yeah, it's really good. And and you're right, I, I read it every time and I'm like, this is what we're going through in a little different way, but the kind of the fundamental things are there. And somebody was just telling me, oh, that was my brother. My brother, we'll see if he ends up starting his own podcast. He said he wanted to start a podcast called Nothing New. And he just wanted to go back (laughs) and show how like everything we're going through now has happened over and over and over again throughout history and that there's nothing new. It's like, because it's true. That's just, yeah, it's just what has happened, but you're right. It, It was interesting you say like the the Koreans were like, well, we wanted to be part of this because it was a confessionalist, you know, denomination. I just a few weeks ago did a, a, an all day apologetics workshop at the Hmong Church in, in Classes, Wisconsin. It's just a great church, super alive, super growing, super passionate. Mm. They said, "Come up here, and we want you to teach us apologetics." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm not a professional at this, but I get excited about it, so let's let's do it." Sure. And they're talking and they're asking me some questions about synod, and I'd said something about like, yeah, well, there's kind of a group that that's kind of affirming. And they're like, what in the CRC? I can't imagine that that would be the case in this denomination because mm. they came into it with this other, like, I can't even imagine that that would be a thing. Right. And I just got an email today when I got back from vacation, somebody said, I'm really having a hard time understanding why there's this narrative that that we've changed anything about why are so pe- people so angry that we've just kind of reconfirmed our understanding of around matters of sexuality. They're like, we haven't changed anything. And I've tried to explain that there's like a group that literally, I think they're being honest. I think they literally think we have changed something, even though we haven't, because there's been this, mm-hmm. this fogginess, but this because of bringing in all of that kind of skepticism, that doubt that there's this understanding, like, we had talked about a long time ago in this conversation, like, well, a truly humble person doesn't really know. And so we can live in the tension or live in the mystery of things or, Mm -hmm. and uh, that kind of has crept into the CRC. And so now you're prideful um, if you think you're right. Um, Or if you you stand firm on anything. And, uh, and then when that happens, yeah, you have no identity. Right. And a lot of people have seen that, that, a lot of people have tried to find their identity in their Dutchness, right? And uh, there's, you know, uh, better together. They're not happy with me because I keep saying that, but they keep saying we need to find our identity, our baptismal identity. And it's like, well, what is your baptismal identity? And for many of them, it seems to be, and 
but it seems to be like I was baptized in a CRC church. So that's my identity. Right. And it's the kind of the baptismal identity is more referred to being a CRC person than actually being baptized in Christ. Um, and, right. and it's this weird, like we we've tried to, we're trying to find unity in a lot of places, but it's all the wrong places that never actually leads to true, true unity. Yeah. And it'll be interesting too, like, because I think right now in the CRC, there's this, uh, you know, the, the, those who would say, no, you know, same-sex relationships are, are, you know, God honoring and they're good. And God, God condones them. Um, I would see that personally as, as being sinful and wrong. And I would see that as being, uh, you know, uh, you know, using the grace of God as a license to sin. Right. So let's just say that, that, that the CRC sort of is able to pivot and that that's no longer um, something that's even a consideration of CRC, which is something that I would celebrate. I still see we disagree about a lot of things, you know, and, and that's why the square vomit conversation is so interesting moving forward, too, because where we where we shake out on that, um, you know, are we going to shake out where... Um, you know, we do allow some exceptions, you know, as a, as a denomination. Are we going to shake out where we say, oh, no, 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 it's not just a time-bound thing where somebody needs to just, you know, work out the difficulty in a certain amount of time, but they can have it indefinitely. They just can't be delegated to them. Uh, there's just all these different ways of, of working it out. And, and for me, I, I'm, I don't want it to work out in a way to where where we agree to disagree about things that we ought not agree to disagree about. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't want to see the denomination split, but I also don't want to see um, us have still some sort of a watered down identity, you know? Um, and, and I don't know exactly what that looks like. And I, and I want to talk to other people. I want to see like, um, how do you see that shaking out? You know, because it, I'm I'm persuaded that because Reformed theology is a, is a closed system in many ways, particularly confessional Reformed theology, and um, even my Reformed Baptist friends, I mean, their understanding of the of the New Covenant is is totally different than my understanding of the New Covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, their understanding of baptism, obviously, is totally different than mine, and uh, and so I, I don't know if I could. I could link arms with them as members of the same church, you know, although I would work shoulder to shoulder with them in, in town all day long. You know, I, if my kid grew up and married somebody from that church and that's where they went, I'd be like, great, you know, um, but, but they're located elsewhere in the body of Christ. And so it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, where we, where all this shakes out. And I'm, I'm excited actually sort of be on the, the ground floor of, of watching, watching it all happen, you know? Amen. Well, we're coming kind of to the end of the podcast here. I'd be curious of, uh, you know, where do you think, you know, looking at kind of after what you've experienced at Synod and now I'm sure you'll be involved in these conversations for the next year or two or more. uh, Where do you think the CRC needs to head if we want to become like a healthy um, God honoring denomination? We need to figure out a way of having these hard conversations and coming to uh, concrete decisions. Cause I think, I think everybody knows that we're at a place where uh, it's particularly on the same sex attraction situation where there are fundamentally different presuppositions about what's true and how we know. 
and so there is there is no hope for unity. And I don't say that as like a, you know, I just, it's just, it's just logically impossible for there to be unity. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to figure out how to best deal with that. And then, and then after that, I see within the, the CRC, you have churches that that are basically sort of non-denominational churches in, in, in their way they worship, the way they govern their churches, uh, the way they even practice baptism. Um, and then you also have uh, churches that are very confessional and, you know, really stick to the, uh, the regulative principle of worship, really stick to uh, a means of grace ministry. Um, well, they actually are very different. In, in terms of, of, of how they, they function. And, and I, I'm, I'm persuaded that they have less in common than they think they do, even though they're able to link arms uh, in terms of the same sex thing. You also have the issue of women in office, right? There, there, there are folks who are, are convinced that the woman, uh, it's, it's impossible for a woman to be a pastor because it's just something the Bible disallows, whereas others would say there is. And so even after the same sex conversation, if that gets resolved, the CRC still has things that, that it needs to work out because um, uh, it's just not logically consistent uh, for those things to work out uh, t- together. So um, I just think there's a lot of hard conversations moving forward, and I would like to see the least amount of splitting as possible. So I would like to see iron sharpening iron. I would like to see... Um, us coming back to our confessions, coming back to our uh, our um, the scriptures, and and God sort of unifying us around um, what 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 we believe, so that so that it can be unity about those things too. So, Amen. Yeah, I think I've, that ultimately, I know there's all these accusations against abide and me too. I was I was accused of waging a holy war on the progressives of the CRC, which is funny, but. Um, none of us really want to see a church split. We all really no. want to see, we want to see what happened, you know, with you and that, and the Baptist uh, worship pastor, right? Where we can come, we can come to God's yeah. word, we can look at it. And all of a sudden we can see like, Hey, here's what God's word says. We can be in agreement. We can be in unity together. Now let's go serve side by side in that. And we don't want to like kick people out. We want to really see discipleship and unity come there. That's our goal. And we realize there will be some people that are going to eventually say, I'm not going to go along with that. And at that point, yeah. I wish at that point they would have the integrity and just say, all right, we can't serve here anymore. But it does look like eventually there's going to be some that just are going to refuse to, to leave. And uh, and we're going to have to have that hard conversation too, where, um, you know, it's a conversation I've had before, not denominationally, but you know, we, we had a, a homeless woman living with us for a while. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we said, Hey, you can move in with us. We're going to help you. Uh, she wanted to become a CNA. So we're going to help you get your CNA licensing. We're going to help you get a job as a CNA. We're going to help you kind of get back on your feet. But if you're going to live in our home, these are things you have to live by. That's you, you know, you have to, these things. And uh, thankfully, we got her through the certification. We got her a job. But then shortly after that, all of a sudden, she's like making Wicca sacrifices in our basement and, and you know, doing, doing some things that were like, yeah, that's not allowed in this home. Um, but when I sat down with her, I said, you know, we're not kicking you out. We want you here. But you're continually making decisions that are saying you don't want to live here anymore. 
Now, when she left, she said we kicked her out. Uh, but we were saying, no, repent of these things and we want you to stay. Stop. stop. Right. This is not allowed in our home. And that's really the same conversation we're wanting to have with, with Neeland and all these other churches. We're saying, we want you to stay. We want you to repent. We want you to like come in line with the teachings of our denomination. That was, that was the overwhelming response of our entire committee too. Um, and if, yeah. you, if you hear that word, then go back and read through every the way everything's worded coming out of our committee, you'll see that, that we weren't trying to kick anybody out. We were wanting to draw them back and be reconciled. You'll see reconciliation language come up over and over because that's what we want. Um, but we also realize that at some point they're going to say no. And then we just have to recognize that by saying no, you're choosing then to leave. You're choosing to step out of right. Um, and we're going to have to figure out how to do that and what yeah. that's going to look like. But but I think that's got to happen and it's got, probably got to happen soon. Yeah. Well, it's the age old thing was just discipline in general, right? It's like, you know, so-and-so, you know, cheats on his wife and moves out in with his girlfriend and you're like, okay, well, if we confront him, like all these bad things are going to happen and then we're going to be responsible for that. And it's like, well, we'll know if, if we confront him and all those bad things happen, he's responsible for that, you know? And, and, and to be able to see that and kind of have like a, a little bit of uh, steel, you know, in you to, to, to withstand that knowing that's why Jesus has promised, Hey, we're two and three are gathered. I am with you. It's like, I know mm-hmm. this is going to be hard. I know this is going to be terrible, but just know that I am with you in it and that you're doing the right thing. Um, and yeah, I, I think, Nobody wants, especially our culture, just in general, we all like to go along to get along. Nobody wants conflict and, and I don't either. Um, but, but, but we also can't avoid conflict either because that's, that's to basically kick conflict down the road and make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's the funny thing, right? Some guys like me and a couple other guys, people think we love conflict because we're, yeah. you know, we're kind of in the midst of it. I'm like, I hate conflict, but, but I also, I yeah. ran a business. I ran my own business for a while and I was a really young guy. I was like 19 when I started this business and I hated conflict and I'd have angry customers call me and leave me messages. And I'd be like, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to deal with it. So I would ignore it. And then a week later they would call again and I would ignore it. And then I would, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I realized like, even if I messed up, even if I didn't mess up and this person was angry at me, the the best way to resolve the conflict and to move forward was to immediately address it. And uh, that scripture says that, right? I mean, you delay, delay discipline and it makes everything worse. Um, Discipline carried out swiftly brings a matter to an end. Mm. And so like, and uh, that's discipline, but even just any conflict, you just have to address it right away. Um, And then you gotta, it, it's hard. It's really difficult, but, but at least you've addressed it and it hasn't festered and turned into something way more difficult. Right. Any of us who've pastored well, yeah, hundred percent people through a, through a divorce realize that the divorce happened because there was lots of conflict for a very long time that never got addressed. Right. And that's 100%. what we're seeing in the CRC right now. Right. A lot of conflict has gone on for a long time that everybody's just kind of turned their eyes away from. And now we're in this marriage where we're not talking to each other. We're not talking. We're just talking past each other. We're trying to keep the marriage alive because what, you know, I mean, it's just one of these things where we have to have the conversation. We, 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 it has to get done. 
Yeah. And I, I even think too, I mean, I, I think like special synods, like to me, I think we're at the place where it's like, I, I don't know if, I don't know, I don't believe it would be good to have another study committee about anything that goes on for years and years and years and it puts everything back on the back burner. I think mm-hmm. a better solution would be a special synod, would be, um, you know, a, a study committee that comes up with resolutions plus a special synod to vote on those resolutions to get things done. It's like, like to me, the urgency is at stake because, well, and I think I said this from the floor, it, it, people in churches are confused. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, you know, woman A has two sons, one's progressive, one is conservative. Who, who does she, who does she believe in the CRC? Well, the CRC can't help her sort that out. Um, professors that she used to look up to, one's conservative, one's traditional. Well, man, who, who does she believe now? You know, does she have to go get a PhD to be able to sort out their arguments? It's, it's just, it's not loving at all uh, to anyone to, to allow this sort of, uh, confusion to, to just be in the air, you know? Yeah. Well, we usually give everybody kind of a final, final words to say. And I remind everybody, we've got um, pastors listening to this. We've got a lot of office bearers, elders, deacons, lay people listening to this kind of the whole spectrum. I'm finding out of teenagers who are listening to this. So we've got the, the kind of whole spectrum of the body of Christ who are listening. What are, what are some kind of final words you want to leave them with? Well, if you read the Bible, uh, there was a murder on page four, you know, <laughs> and things haven't gotten better since. Um, and so the, the fact that we find ourselves in complicated, trying times uh, in our denomination uh, shouldn't surprise any of us. And God is in control. You read First Corinthians and that church is worse than the CRC. <laughs> so I just think that, that our, our, our call is man, to be faithful, uh, to, 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 uh, live with a clear conscience, um, to love your family, love your church and, and trust that, yeah, there are going to be weeds and wheat growing up together until the end, but God is allowing that because He's sparing the the wheat. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. And, and yeah, and I guess that's why I'm excited because I, I, as much as I talk about how we need to figure things out and do it soon, I also know that if that doesn't happen, that that's, that's okay too. And nothing's going to be perfect until Christ returns. And he's my hope. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is head on over to themessyreformation.com, look in the menu bar and find Join the Reformation. By clicking on that, you can sign up for our newsletter where you'll get episodes sent right directly to your email inbox, and it will give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head on over there and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week to hear from our next guest on the Messy Reformation. But until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.